0: Wednesday, April 19th here in Draft Shark Studios in Rochester, New York. Welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Matt Chef. With me are the boys, Jared Smola and CA Herms. We are rounding out our prospect preview series, combining the QBs and tight ends on today's show. You can find our previous previews of the running backs and wide receivers on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, wherever else you get your podcasts. If you like those shows, if you like this show, or even if you just think Herms is adorable, please help us out by subscribing, rating, reviewing our podcast, you know, whatever's appropriate for the format where you like to watch this stuff. Tell us why you like what we're doing, or, you know, maybe you hate what we're doing and you've decided to come back anyway. So first sort out that chain of decisions with your therapist and then come let us know what we could be doing better on these. So Help us out. Subscribe, rate, review. Now we're going to get to the players that I talked about. And it's quarterback time to begin with. We'll kick it off with a much-discussed cadre of QBs this season. The top three seems pretty straightforward for fantasy. The order, Jared, not so much. We're going to start with number one on our consensus list right now, Bryce Young of Alabama. What what is there to like about Bryce Young?
1: Yeah, and I kind of just recently flip-flopped Bryce Young and Cedar. I, I was kind of ranking scared. And, and moving young behind Stroud because of the size thing. And, and size is the only legitimate concern with Bryce Young for me. You know, he's 5'10, 204 pounds. You want a comparison size wise? Russell Wilson entered the NFL 5'11, 204 pounds, same exact w- weight, one inch taller. Russ has put on weight. I think he's at like 220 now. And I think Young could do the same, but, you know, his height's obviously not changing. It's It's just, it's hard for me to worry about that too much when he just dominated for two seasons. Against the SEC, which is as close to the NFL as you're going to get, um, you know, Young sat behind Mac Jones as a freshman, but takes over as Alabama starter as a true sophomore. And nearly 4,900 passing yards, 47 touchdowns that year. Wins the Heisman Trophy as a true sophomore. Comes back this past season, slight step back in terms of you know raw production. He missed a game with a shoulder injury. Uh, the the wide receiver core at Alabama last year was about as weak as you're going to find in Al- Alabama. Wide receiver core. Not saying it was bad, but it wasn't you know what we've seen over the previous you know handful of seasons. But Bryce Young still averaged 277 passing yards and 2.7 passing touchdowns per game. He was third among all quarterbacks in the country in PFF passing grade, safely ahead of CJ Stroud last year. Even so, um, as long as his NFL team can you know work around that height, I, I think Bryce Young is a super safe bet to be a you know uh, at least a above average nfl starting quarterback if not an elite nfl starting quarterback
0: yeah and the reason that i'm not so worried about the height thing anymore is because it doesn't sound like the nfl is worried about it i mean we're all expecting him now to go number one overall so if the nfl says yeah he's tall enough to be the number one overall pick then as far as i'm concerned he's tall enough to be a fantasy quarterback what do you think herms
2: And at least as far as the height goes to your point, like unless we feel as though he's going to be operating a ton from under center, then like, I don't see what the big deal is. If he's playing back and shotgun more often than not, like he'll be fine. he will figure that out. And I also just really want to highlight something that Jared was talking about. Like, When we talk about Alabama quarterbacks of the past, one thing that always comes up is just like, ah, well, you know, that guy was, you know, out there playing with Jerry Judy and all these other guys and stuff like that. But like, we don't have that for Bryce Young. I think people really, really need to take that into account. The Alabama team from last year, not particularly great compared to what it's been in the past, but he still managed to get a lot of stuff done for that team, which makes, at least in my mind, his contributions like all the more impressive. So I am still one of those people that doesn't have him number one, but like the more I keep hearing about it from other people and, you know, hearing all these really awesome comps for Bryce Young, I'm just like, damn, he does throw a lot of really good anticipation. He does know how to make a lot of these good things happen. And maybe I'm starting to question myself a little bit. And of course, well, I mean, numbers... I think. No, go yeah, ahead. Jared. No, no,
0: no.
1: I think the reason he wouldn't be number one for for fantasy is because we don't know about the, the rushing upside, right? Um, just 14 rushing yards per game for Young in 2021, 26 rushing yards per game last year. And, and that, by the way, is taking out the sack yardage that the NCAA deducts from rushing yardage. Um, you know, Pro Football Focus has that. that uh, the stats without that deducted. So yeah, that's, that's what we want to know. So, you know, 26 yards per game is not nothing. I think he's, he's capable. He has the athleticism and the creativity to produce on the ground in the NFL. It's just a matter of if he's going to need to do it or if his NFL team's going to want him to do it.
0: Yeah. That's the one drawback for me. And he doesn't hit the number one spot on my QB list. We'll get to other quarterbacks here. And it's really that rushing and it's not, can he run But for me, it's will he run? And, uh, you know, we can't know that yet. We can't know that until he's in the NFL. But I think it it, it at least starts you out with some hesitation. We've looked at Joe Burrow. We looked at uh, Trevor Lawrence last year as guys who ran well in college. We figured would give us some rushing production in the NFL. And if that's the level where Bryce Young has given us rushing production, that's fine. But it's also not what's going to propel him. Uh, you know, to the top of the QB rankings. So in that case, he's going to need to put up enormous passing numbers to go with solid rushing numbers to have top six upside. And if he doesn't have top six upside, you know, it just stops short of me being excited. But certainly a good prospect, a good fantasy prospect. And we're finally going to see how much separation there is between where Bryce Young gets drafted and everybody else. Most of the mock drafts have been like, oh, how many quarterbacks are going to be four in a row to start the draft? I'm going to doubt it do we get one at one and then the next one goes 10th overall? Cause that's going to be something telling about Bryce young versus the other quarterbacks. And, you know, rather than speculate here, I think we're close enough that we're finally about to see what the truth is on that. Number two on our current list is CJ Stroud of Ohio state. Um, Herms, what's the case for Stroud versus Young? Either, you know, what makes him not as good as Bryce Young for fantasy outlook or uh, what makes him the clear number two? Whatever you want for the CJ Stroud profile here.
2: Yeah, I think the best thing that CJ Stroud has going for him is just like the floor of his overall output statistically, like that baseline that he's operating from with his size, his ability to make a lot of really good reads. Like he's the prototypical pro-style quarterback. He shows a lot of the core things that you really want to see out of a guy like that. And even with some of the drawbacks that people point out, like his ability to handle pass rush and pressure, like that, there's some evidence of that being a little wonky. But he did pretty well against Georgia in that college football semifinal game, even though they ultimately didn't win that game. But, like... I don't know. I look at somebody like Stroud and I just feel like if I were an actual NFL GM and I'm tasked with picking a quarterback in this year's draft and my only goal is, hey, let's just not lose my job. What's the easiest thing that I could do? (laughs) I would probably just draft CJ Stroud because I think like he doesn't carry the risk that some of these other guys we're going to talk about later do in terms of like, you know, if they don't hit they're probably going to wash out of the league and then so will the GM that drafted them maybe. Mm -hmm. But yeah, no, CJ Stroud, he's, he got, he's got all that stuff that you look for, for a pro style quarterback. Jared, we
0: talked about what might be lacking on the rushing front for Bryce young. CJ Stroud didn't do a whole lot of rushing in college. He has said in the kind of pre-draft interviews, I, I, I feel like I should have run more and I think I'll do more in the future. What do we, what do you think about Stroud's outlook?
1: Yeah, I mean, the rushing production on paper at Ohio State was not good, right? I mean, five rushing yards per game in 2021, nine rushing yards per game last year. I do think if you watch enough of him, though, you see hints that he can do more. I mean, like Herm said, he has the size. Now, that's not a concern with C.J. Stroud. He's 6'3", 214 pounds, and I do think he has above-average athleticism, so I think he can do it. I'm even less convinced, though, that Stroud's going to want to run at the NFL level. And Herm's kind of alluded to this. My my knock on Stroud would be that he, he is kind of robotic, or like Bryce Young is super creative, super Im, you know the Im- improv stuff is awesome when the play breaks down for for Bryce Young. C.J. Stroud he's awesome when the pocket's there and the receiver's open. He's gonna he's gonna hit that guy. Um, but I think Herm's alluded to um, Stroud not being as good under pressure. PFF had him 110th in the country last year in passing grade under pressure. Now he wasn't pressured a whole lot because Ohio State's offensive line was strong. The like talk about Bryce Young's receivers not being great. <laughs> CJ Stroud has played with Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, Jackson Smith, and Jigba. Marvin Harrison Jr. Who, who's the other guy, uh, Herm?s uh,
2: Amika Ibuka, yeah, yeah. The, the, who's
1: yeah. also going to be a first round pick next year, I think, right? So, like, oh. it was easy. It was easy for Stroud at Ohio State. Now, that's you can't totally hold that against him. Like, he still had to to deliver the ball and put up the numbers that he did. But um, I do think he's going to find life tougher at the NFL level, and we'll have to see if he can adjust to that.
0: Yeah, we don't know how much credit to give Bryce Young for producing without top shelf Alabama receivers. We don't know how much to ding C.J. Stroud for his huge production with, I mean, the best set of receivers you could ever hope for in college. Eighty five touchdown passes for Stroud over the past two years. So you don't want to ding him too much, but, you know, maybe you would keep that in mind when you're evaluating him. Neither one is a lock to run in the NFL. Both are good enough athletically where they should run more than they did in college. If for no other reason, then they're not going to be at dominant programs like they were in college. They're going to get pressured more. They're going to have to scramble more often. So we should get more rushing yards. But If rushing yards are the thing you're looking for, then you should look at Anthony Richardson, who is number three on this list, number one on my personal QB list. And it's because he has 1,055 rushing yards over the past two years. Only one of those, by the way, he spent as a starter. And that includes sack yardage removed. 654 rushing yards last year. In that lone starting season, 401 rushing yards the year before without even being the starting quarterback. He showed at the combine why this happened. He's a dynamic athlete. Not, dynamic is not a strong enough word. He's an athlete that we haven't really seen at quarterback before. He's the kind of athlete that in previous years, a program would have been like, well, we're not wasting that at quarterback. We're going to move you out somewhere where you can use that speed. He stayed at quarterback at Florida Didn't play there a ton. Like I said, one season of starting definitely needs some development as a passer, but does already throw a wonderful deep ball. So it's not like he's a good runner who we hope can throw at some point. He has the deep arm and the running, which are basically the two high ceiling components of a fantasy quarterback. The project aspect of Anthony Richardson is obviously, you know, a little bit worrisome and I'll be curious to see how late he goes in the draft, but I don't care if he busts. I would much rather chase a guy who could become Cam Newton in the NFL than settle for a guy who's probably going to be closer to, in terms of fantasy production, like Derek Carr level where you have the upside to finish QB 12, maybe your QB 11 or 10, more often your QB 13, 14, 15. Well, not, not to go too back
1: back to Young and Straub, but I do think Derek Carr is selling their upside short. I think more like, you know, Trevor Lawrence is kind of the upside where, you know, they can be top five, six, seven, you know, that kind of range. Not quarterback one, but they can be, you know, strong quarterback ones. Um with Anthony Richardson so top it, it come it's like a probability equation to me right it's like what's this guy's ceiling what's his floor but then you know what's the probability he hits that ceiling what's the probability he hits that floor and you have to weigh all that stuff i mean i have no doubt that richardson will be a strong fantasy asset when he's under center because of that rushing ability uh, i mean he is the he's the most athletic quarterback we've ever seen according to relative athletic scores he earned a perfect 10.0 score in Raz. He's the most athletic quarterback we've ever seen. We know the rushing upside is massive, but he's a major question mark as a passer, 53.8% completion rate last year. I know people are going to you know, say it, it wasn't easy for him at Florida, right? You didn't have a great supporting cast. Um, the, the receivers weren't very good. I do like to look at adjusted completion rate for that type of stuff, though, which does you know, get rid of things like throwaways and spikes and, and drops. Richardson, in adjusted completion rate, 64.1%. That was 113th among 121 qualifiers. Um, he was 65th among those 121 in PFF passing grade. So there's no doubt he needs a lot of work as a passer. And if he doesn't improve as a, as a passer, I don't think it's going to be good enough to hang on to a starting job at the NFL level. So you know that's the downside risk with these guys. What I, what I like, he, he has just one season of starting experience at Florida, and he, he doesn't turn 21 until May. So he's a super young prospect that suggests that he has more room to grow as a passer.
0: Yeah. And I agree that Derek Carr is underselling the upside. I wouldn't comp Bryce Young's fantasy upside to him. I think CJ Stroud's probably a fairer fantasy comp, but again, we're waiting to see what those guys offer on the rushing front. Uh, Herms, where's Anthony Richardson on your QB list?
2: I think I have him number three, but he is number one in my heart because I'll tell you, like, I give him so much credit for the mess that Florida has been for the last several seasons or so and the fact that the stats that we pull up and look at for Anthony Richardson, you know, as we mentioned, come in one year as being the starter in a world where he had gotten opportunity a little bit sooner and actually had a little bit more experience under his belt. We probably could have seen him grow a little bit more. But the beauty of Well, the beauty of this, and also the difficulty of this, is that when it comes to these prospects, we have to project from where they are now forward. And it's complicated with somebody like Richardson but if we just look at what's already existing and he finds himself in a situation like for instance with the Indianapolis Colts new head coach Shane Steichen, and he has experience working with some of these types of more mobile quarterbacks like he was there to help develop Jalen Hurts in Philadelphia I think the offensive coordinator he brought in comes over from somewhere else that has Experience with other stuff, whatever, not the point. But, like, if he gets into a place that can take that ball of clay and mold Richardson into something that can really pop, like, the upside is you're taking like a top three fantasy (laughs) quarterback for however many years in a row and out. So, like, when people are looking at Richardson on the board in their rookie drafts, they really have to keep in mind, like, you're the GM of a fantasy football team. If this pick doesn't hit, you're not losing your job. You're not getting kicked out of your league, probably, you know, you can take a bigger chance on somebody like this because of the fact that he is this Herculean athlete because he can run so much because he can do all of that crazy stuff with his big arm. So like, when you're on the clock in your rookie drafts, especially in super flex leagues, like don't be nervous about a lot of the stuff that you're thinking about, because like this is fantasy football, baby. Take Anthony Richardson.
0: Now in a one QB format where I only need one starter, I'd be even more willing to go grab Anthony Richardson. Cause if I swing yeah. and miss on him, whatever, I probably either still have a starting quarterback or can find one without wasting too much. I think in a super flex format, I might be a little bit more willing to lean toward the safer Bryce Young because I do need to start two guys every single week. So once I get into a super flex draft, depending on what I have in my roster, maybe Bryce Young pushes ahead of him, maybe Stroud as well. We'll see Mm -hmm. exactly where these guys land because I think where Anthony Richardson goes in round one is going to tell us a lot about how much that team believes in his you know, not only eventual NFL outlook, but immediate. Cause if you're drafting high in the draft, you're with a team that's probably not in great shape. So you guys need to yep. have some su- success pretty quickly. So, you know, again, one QB format, I want to take the swing. I'd rather swing and miss than, you know, just bump for a single. Yep. Um, Jared, any closing thoughts on Anthony Richardson?
1: No, well, I think you're exactly right about the difference between one quarterback and super flex. And even like, you know, in one quarterback leagues, you're taking Anthony Richardson over, Josh Downs or Devin A-Chain, you know, like I'm not super worried about missing out on those guys, but in Superflex, you're taking them over a Bryce Young or over even, you know, like a Jackson Smith and Jigba, truly, you know, one of these elite prospects in other positions. So that's That's a great point. I think we should probably
0: be valuing Young, even at
1: the quarterback position differently, depending on your fantasy league.
0: And good secondary point as well with how you're picking him over those other, you know, higher level prospects at other positions. Now, you can tell the staff does not agree on the order of these three quarterbacks. You can check our updated Superflex rankings for free on draftsharks.com right now. You can also find three different rookie mock drafts for different formats on draftsharks.com to see where we would take these guys, where different um you know evaluators among us value different players there's explanations for every pick so check them out we've got one qb we've got super flex then we've got a combination of super flex and tight end premium all free for you to view on draftsharks.com right now before we get out of the quarterbacks herms there is further disagreement outside of the top three what is the case for hendon hooker being at number four at this position
2: well, part of it is me uh, trolling Will Levis a little bit. I'm not gonna lie, like in the interest of transparency, but uh, Hooker, he's he's fun. I think in a world where he hadn't have torn his ACL later in the college season, we would feel more confidently talking about him as a first round quarterback and that college system that, you know, his head coach, Josh Heupel put out there. I mean, like, it's not like he's making very difficult reads. I think that's a pretty, you know, fair argument against Hendon Hooker. It's, you know, one of those offenses where they just stand on the sidelines with like pictures of cartoon ducks. And then it's just like, all right, cool. That means I get to throw to the left this time. Thanks. And then, you know, but like Hooker can just like stand there, and very confidently just gently drop in a nice long bomb. And that's not the easiest thing to teach somebody to do. Like I think he really does have a lot going for him and there were also times where he could he could run around a little bit. He's a, you know, pretty athletic guy himself. So you're going to have to be patient cuz I don't think he's going to do anything for you the first year in the league. His First year in the NFL is going to be a red shirt year, basically, because he has to continue to rehab. He has to do all that. But because of where he'll end up get draft, uh, getting drafted as a result of all of this, I feel like he'll end up in a situation on a better team picking later in the first round if he sneaks in there or one of those teams in the second round that can just be like, look, maybe we have an older guy on the roster now. Sit down, work on your knee, work on the playbook. And then, you know, like having that level of time for him, I think is just a really beautiful thing, even though he is a little bit older and maybe doesn't have too much time to waste. (laughs) But, you know, I don't know. That's where I'm at with Hendon Hooker.
0: Yeah. My case for Hendon Hooker, he's had more than 100 rushing attempts and more than 350 rushing yards each of the past four years. That spans time at two different schools, Virginia Tech, then Tennessee also throws the deep ball. Well, as Herms was talking about, he's like an older version of what to like about Anthony Richardson, certainly not the same ceiling on either account, but also a little bit more refined already as a quarterback. So I think there's a better chance that Hendon Hooker is a decent quarterback going forward, probably, you know, a higher floor than Anthony Richardson in real NFL terms, certainly nowhere near the ceiling. Jared, what is the case against Hendon Hooker? Why do you think it's a mistake to have him ahead of Will Levis in rookie rankings right now?
1: Yeah. Hooker for me, it's a combination of things. Like it's not just the ACL. I think we're at a point now where, you know, a quarterback's going to recover from an ACL. He's going to be fine. It's not just the fact that he played in this, you know, funky college style offense that he's going to need to make a big transition to the NFL. It's a combination of both those things. And the fact that, as you guys have been saying, he's already 25 years old. So if we're saying that this coming season is, is a red shirt. And I think it's going to be, I think he's not going to be healthy, you know, early on uh, you know, for, for many camps and probably even training camp he's probably not going to make many, if any, starts this season. then we're talking about a, you know, 26 year old, essentially rookie quarterback. And like, it's just how much room for growth is there still. Um, So, you know, those are my issues with hooker. I'm curious to see where he goes. I mean, it's my assumption at this point that he is going to be like a late first or early second round pick. Whereas I think Will Levis, who I do have ranked ahead of hooker at this point, I I think he's going to go inside the top 11 probably a top seven pick and it seems like he still has a chance to be to to be a top five pick so that's just a big difference in draft capital if it ends up going that way
0: I can't wait to see where these guys go because this time last year we're like well how many quarterbacks are in round one four of them does Desmond Ritter where does he go does he get to 20 Uh, is Sam Howell coming into the end of the first round and then we saw one guy in round one everybody else in round three Sam Howell in round five so I don't know I'm curious to see if Will Levis is actually a top 11 pick this year or if he's in round two and I think based on what we saw last year it shouldn't shock us either way Desmond Ritter he you can find red flags you can find reasons not to like a quarterback he was a pretty good quarterback prospect last year in terms of athleticism what he put on tape having experience as a starter and he went to round three with plenty of quarterback needy teams around so That's the piece we don't have yet. It's the piece we're getting soon. I'm very curious to see um, where both of these guys go. You can find full profiles from a fantasy standpoint on Hendon Hooker and Will Levis on DraftSharks.com. Our boy Kevin did both of those. So check those out. They got highlights, got stats, got all that. Before we get out of quarterback, Jared, I already know that uh, Herms and I share the same remaining sleeper at the position. You got anybody else that you're anxious to see where he lands considering <laughs> late in a super flex draft. There's no
1: one I'm anxious to see where they land and there's no one else I'm excited about. Since you asked though, I'm going to throw out Max Duggan, who I do have as my quarterback six. Now this is a guy, I highly doubt you're going to be drafting him in any one quarterback dynasty leagues even if your draft your rookie draft goes five rounds maybe he's someone you look at in like round four or five of a super flex again we'll see where all these other quarterbacks land as far as draft capital goes and landing spot um you know duggan his passing numbers don't jump off the page at at tcu over the past few seasons i will say though he did have a 78 percent adjusted completion rate last year that actually beat Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, Anthony Richardson, and Will Levis and Hendon Hooker, We'd all, all five of those guys. It was twelfth best in the nation. He was 30th best in the nation in PFF, passing grade. And then what makes Duggan a bit more interesting for fantasy, I do think he has some he has some rushing upside. Uh 43, 43 rushing yards per game last year. He ran a 4-5-2-40 at the combine. So, I mean, I, I think he's I think he's a career backup. Like he is the type of guy where if he gets in there, Maybe he can give you, you know, some games with 20, 30 rushing yards and be someone at least in super flex leagues that you can toss in the
0: starting lineup. Tim Tebow with less Jesus Herms. Who do you have in the sleeper quarterback category here among the rookies?
2: Oh, man, dude. Dorian Thompson Robinson from UCLA. Man, dude, he is so much fun. And like also, you know, so going back to even like his high school days or whatever, like there once upon a time, this dude was like mega recruit, like absolutely like way up there, like. Coming out of like that one really big high school out of Nevada that I think, you know, he gets their high school games on like ESPN two sometimes. But like, you know, he he stuck around for I think five years. He's a little bit older. I don't think kind of like Doug, and it's not like we're expecting him to become a starter really at any point. But you know, I watched a lot of you know film for my Zach Charbonnet profile that I did. So I got exposed to watching the UCLA offense a lot. And it as I kept watching that, I was like, man. Thompson Robinson really keeps plays alive, and man, he could really throw a dart. Like this is pretty cool. And then i i caught the I caught him at the Shrine Bowl on. Uh, they air that on NFL Network, you know, during the off too. And he played really well in that game too. So I was just like, man, like you know what? Let's just let's just go ahead, target him maybe in like my you know fourth, fifth rounds of these super flex drafts. Tuck him away on the taxi squad. See what happens. He's a lot of fun.
0: I am very curious to see where he lands to see if he goes to a team with maybe a shakier starter, but I don't want to even overrate that because Jalen Hurts, I was disappointed he went to Philadelphia and it didn't take that long for him to become a starter. And the case for Dorian Thompson Robinson is similar, certainly not the same as Jalen Hurts, who was Underrated by the entire NFL in the draft, should have gone earlier and has proved it since taken over. But similarly, Dorian Thompson Robinson, strong running or strong running quarterback, over 600 yards on the ground each of the past two years, 21 rushing TDs over that span. Then he backed that up with a four, five, six, 40 at the combine, 95th percentile among QBs. He was also a four year starter at UCLA. So that's something we haven't really talked about a whole lot in this show is historically we like experience in these quarterbacks because not only have they had time to refine their game, but it shows that they jumped into the lineup right away, held that job, and succeeded throughout college. And now the higher they get drafted, obviously the better. I don't think that he's going super high. If he does make it into day two, that would be nice. But I think Dorian Thompson-Robinson is an intriguing later pick, especially in superflex rookie drafts.
1: Yeah. I won't pretend to know much about his, you know, ability as a passer, but I mean, he has 129 design carries over his last two college seasons. So like, that's obviously part of his skill set. So if he does
0: find the NFL field, he's going to be running. And, you know, we obviously want that in fantasy. Is there a QB that you like that we didn't talk about, or do you hate somebody that we talked up here? Let us know in the comments here on YouTube. We want to hear your thoughts. We're interested to know, even if your comment is you guys are amazing. And I agree with everything that you had to say, Hey, Feel free to leave that too. We don't uh, – we'll, we'll take your sunshine as well. We're going to move on now to tight end, however. We will start with our consensus top five on DraftSharks.com. And number one is Dalton Kincaid from Utah. What I love about Dalton Kincaid, why he has been my number one all along, early breakout at San Diego before he got to Utah – 15 yards per catch career, closed out that career with a 70 catch, 890 yard, eight touchdown senior season. I do wish Kincaid were younger. He's 23 already, but I think that early breakout counteracts that issue a bit. Um, and what kind of solidified Kincaid as the class leader for me was when Daniel Jeremiah came out early with Daniel Kincaid well ahead of the class in his mock draft. There have been some other you know mainstream mock drafters to join Daniel Jeremiah in that since then. Just makes me feel good about Kincaid in that spot. Herms, what do you think of Dalton Kincaid atop the tight ends?
2: Man, I love Dalton Kincaid. I am like super, super enthusiastic about this player. And his story is also pretty unique too, because like in order for him to even become a football player, I mean, we're talking about some crazy stuff with, you know, people going through, you know, these high schools with a fine tooth comb because he didn't start playing football until he was, like, way older. I think it was, like, his senior year of high school. And that was a high school that ran, like, some really, like, throwback, oldie moldy style of offense. And then, as you mentioned, he goes to a smaller school like San Diego. Mind you, not San Diego State, folks. San Diego. And, like...
0: Jim Harbaugh used to coach, by the way.
2: Oh, shout out. There you go. (laughs) Jim Harbaugh, if you're watching, nice to see you. Uh, Thank you for tuning in. Uh, Yeah, dude, like, it's... he, He... Kincaid being so good so early with such inexperience is such a huge thing for me. Like, kind of like we were talking about earlier, you know, with the fact that we have to take the tools that these players have now and project forward. If this is how good Dalton Kincaid is with such minimal football playing experience, then holy cow, I am absolutely here for it. He's such a good pass catcher already. He does have the size to do some of those blocking assignment things. And, like, I, dude, I'm going to have so much Dalton Kincaid on my dynasty teams. (laughs)
0: Jared, I want you to transition us from Kincaid to number two, Michael Mayer from Notre Dame, because you're the only holdout that has Michael Mayer. Is it? It's Meyer, right? Michael Mayer. I, I I think about it every time I look I, at it. However, you want to say it. I think it's I think it's Mayer. Um, but j- just on Kincaid, quick, and it's it's not. It's
1: less that I don't like Kincaid. It's more just that I I like Mayer a bit more. Kincaid. I mean, the good thing about Kincaid is we know he's going to be a catch first tight end, right? Because you know that's what he has been. At Utah, 52% of his snaps were in the slot or out wide in 2021. 64% of his snaps were out wide or in the slot in 2022. So that's how Utah used him. I think that's how he's going to be used in the NFL. That's a good thing. He does have this back injury that I'm a little surprised there hasn't been more talk about um, Ian Rappaport called it a tiny fracture in his back it prevented him from, from working out in the pre-draft process so we don't have any testing numbers on him and I just listened to a podcast with Lance Zierlein and Lance said he thinks there's a, at least a chance that Kincaid doesn't go in the first round because of the medicals so we'll have to keep an eye on that um, but I, I'm a big fan of Kincaid I think he's going to be a, a strong fantasy producer I just think M- Michael Mayer is like he's been, he, he's been so good for so long that I think people are just a bit bored of him just because we've heard his name for so long. I think, you know, two years ago, this guy was supposed to be the the top tight end in this class. He broke out as a true freshman at Notre Dame, 42 catches, 71 and 67 catches the last two seasons, over 800 yards in both of those years, 16 total touchdowns. And listen to these numbers last year, 31% target share for Michael Mayer. 37% Thirty-seven percent Dominator rating, which combines a player's share of receiving yards and receiving touchdowns, they're just just unheard of numbers for a tight end to be, you know, that big a part of a team's passing game. And you know, this is at Notre Dame, right? It's not, it's not, it's not San Diego. You know, no offense to the what is it, the Toreros or something like that <laughs> at San Diego. Um, you know, th- this is at Notre Dame. Th- the knock against Mayer is he's not an elite athlete, right? Um, he tested as a Seventy-six percentile relative athletic score. He ran a four-seven flat at two hundred forty-nine pounds. By the way, TJ Hawkinson ran a four-seven flat at two fifty-one. So size, speed, Mayor is TJ Hawkinson, and I don't think we're you know worried about TJ Hawkinson's athleticism. So Mayor, too, also two years younger than Dalton Kincaid. So I think he has that working for them. So you know, these guys are one A, one B for me. They could definitely flip flop based on landing spot and draft capital. But for now, Mayor is my tight end one.
0: To be fair, overall, I don't think TJ Hawkinson has really delivered what we were hoping for from him in the NFL. And maybe that's kind of the case against Mayer here. And I, I I'd say case against him. It, it's relative. We're talking about one versus two. So if you are taking away that any that any of us hates either of these guys, that's the wrong message. It's just a matter of figuring out who's number one, who's number two. There is definitely some what you said, Jared. People in fantasy always want to be, you know, first on the new thing. They want to get the breakout guy. They don't want to go with the guy that's been there for a while. And that is certainly Mayer versus Kincaid. The reason I prefer Kincaid is I think there's more downfield ability. I think there's more run after catch ability than Mayer. I think most tight end classes, Mayer is the easy number one, but in this you know, incredible class of athleticism at the position. Uh, He falls just slightly short of Kincaid among the tight ends for me. It's actually pretty similar,
1: not to the extent, but to like Anthony Richardson versus Bryce Young, right? I think Mayer is to me a a safer bet to be like a a really quality starting NFL tight end. If both of these guys hit though, I I think you guys are probably right that Kincaid likely will be the better fantasy asset. I, I just think he's a bit riskier.
0: And although we don't want to overrate landing spot or NFL draft capital, uh, I think that will matter some just for opportunity and for who the quarterback is for both of these guys. Cause there are some interesting landing spots for tight ends in this class. For sure. Number three on our list, Luke Musgrave of Oregon state. I'm the low man on Luke Musgrave. So I'll start out with him and, If we had a weaker class, then I would say, sure, let's bet on the upside of Luke Musgrave because he is one of those terrific athletes in this class. The upside is there. And we've got a little bit more history at tight end where we don't have to worry so much about the college production if the athleticism and upside are there. However, in this class, which is tremendous, which has lots of athletes and guys who did produce in college, I have trouble betting on this player that dealt with multiple injuries had two total touchdowns in college, had no season of more than 22 receptions. So Herms, it's not that I don't see the upside to Musgrave. I just don't feel the need to reach for him when I can find that upside in a safer looking package. What do you think?
2: That is completely fair. I mean, my love for Musgrave purely comes from just what could be. And the fact that he is absolutely huge he is built to do the thing and also from what i saw when he was running those drills at the senior bowl i mean like it was just it was very impressive to see him you know go out there and show like oh he could be one of these really cool vertical threat tight ends and you know for a guy his size as you can see you know like six six two fifty three like he's pretty fast so like That's that's neat. But like, to your point, it's a very small sample size of production that we're working at. And the fact that part of my case for him is, hey, did you see those drills at the senior bowl does kind of throw out a little (laughs) bit of a red flag there, you know, like that like you said, the two touchdowns, there wasn't a lot of film to watch on him either. Cause I mean, between the injuries and then also that, that season that was shortened by COVID, he didn't really play a lot in 2020 either because of that as well. Like he's, he's a bit of an enigma, but you know, he's fun and, and fun is good, but there are definitely some safer guys.
1: Yeah. yeah he's definitely a projection. Um, now these Oregon state passing games he played on were not good you know musgrave had musgrave had 304 receiving yards in 2021 that was that was third most on the team and last year before he so he, he tore his ac he tore his mcl sorry his mcl in the second game of the season last year prior to that though he went six catches 89 yards and a score in the season opener and then he had five catches and 80 yards prior to suffering that knee injury so you know small sample but it looked like he was on his way it's easily his most productive college season As we've said, you know, he has the size, he has the athleticism, 98th percentile relative athletic score. I think at the senior bowl, he was, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Herms, I think he had like the fastest mile per hour reading among all all players or all tight ends at the senior bowl. So he's obviously a plus athlete. And I'm kind of trusting the film guys here, too. I mean, Lance Zierlein has Musgrave as his top tight end in the class. Dane Bruegler has him as his tight end three in the class behind Kincaid and Meyer. So if the NFL feels that way and this guy gets, you know, say early round two draft capital, I think yeah, that's going to be a mark in his favor as well.
0: I think Lance Zierlein's falling into that fantasy trap of going after the shiny new thing, isn't he? Instead of the oh. productive tight ends have been doing it longer. <laughs> Could be. Number four on our list is another athleticism winner. And I mean, when you add in the size plus the athleticism, Darnell Washington is in a class by himself. Obviously not overall as a tight end prospect, but just from a size speed perspective, he's fourth at among tight ends for everybody on staff, except for Alex, who has him at number two, you can check our updated rankings to see exactly where everybody ranks all these players. There's a consensus to, you know, show you the average among the staff, but it'll show you who's high or who's low. And maybe you can ask each person on Twitter. Why my issue Um, with Darnell Washington. And I've changed my thinking on him as we've gone. My issue was similar to Musgrave. It was the lacking college production. It's not an injury question here with Washington. The question is, I guess the primary issue has been playing with Brock Bowers. And you'll hear that pointed out. You'll see that pointed out if you talk about the lack of production for Darnell Washington in college. Brock Mm -hmm. Bowers, of course, another tight end on that Georgia team. Looks like he's going to be a top NFL prospect at the position. And Jared, I think that's legitimate to bring up something like that in uh, knocking somebody's opportunity. The counter in general, and I'm not even saying specific to this situation, but in general, if a guy's issue is there was somebody his position better than him on his college team, what are the chances he gets to the NFL and doesn't find people who are better than him? So that's a potential issue. As we've gone through, though, I'm leaning more toward betting on the size, speed with yeah. Washington, those 17.2 yards per catch, than I am about worrying about the production.
1: Yeah, I think, and to me, on top of the the Brock Bowers thing, Georgia just used Darnell Washington as a blocker a lot more than a pass catcher, and that's going to be the big question in the NFL: how his NFL team is going to use him because this guy is what six seven. 264 pounds and and, and is an, an awesome blocker. He, you can use him as a sixth lineman, and that, that's going to help your real life football team. It's not going to help our fantasy team. Now if he gets first round draft capital, which seems possible. And I think worst case, he's going to go, you know, front half of round two. I got to think his NFL team is going to envision using his pass catching ability quite a bit more than Jordan, even if it's not, you know, to the extent of a Dalton Kincaid, who's basically going to be an oversized wide receiver out there. I do think his NFL team is going to use Washington in the passing game more than Georgia did. And, and when Georgia did use him, Washington averaged 17.2 yards per catch for his career. He averaged seven and a half yards after the catch per reception for his career. Like He, he was awesome when he did get the ball because he's just freaking huge and super athletic. And that, that's going to play at the NFL level too. He's going to be big and athletic even against NFL defenders. So um, to me, it's just a question of if he's going to get the chances in the passing game at the next level. Yeah.
0: Look at the size in the mock draftable um, spider web. If you're watching on YouTube right now, that's showing. If you're listening, head to draftsharks.com, head to Darnell Washington's article, and you'll see that spider web. I mean, please tell me that the NFL team that drafts this guy with this height, the hand size, the wingspan, and the speed to get downfield with all of that. Do not draft him and turn him into Ian Thomas, please. (laughs) Herms, what do you think here?
2: So funny, you mentioned that I was, I was looking at some stuff yesterday and I saw that my beloved Pittsburgh Steelers had Darnell Washington in for a visit. And if a team like that brings in a player like him, then there is a a decent chance that we're running the risk of him simply just being the sixth offensive lineman. When I saw that news, I was personally very excited because I was like, Oh cool. He'll be the blocking guy. So Pat Firemuth can focus on just doing the receiving stuff. Like that's, that's one example of this, but it speaks to the larger points about like the team that drafts them. Like we're gonna have to really look at the offensive scheme that they run. We're gonna have to look at what sort of precedent there is for getting tight ends the ball and see if that's gonna be a natural fit. Now, I c- I know that people will say like, well, you know, even if a team never did that before, you don't use a first round pick on a tight end to not do stuff with them, which is possible, and that is a fair retort. You know, people always say you know the targets are earned and whatnot. So like. Maybe there's not a ton to react to as far as that goes, but like, regardless of what occurs, the man is built like a refrigerator and he is so much fun. And at the NFL combine, like, I'm not going to pretend that I know what I'm watching for in the tight end drills at the NFL combine necessarily, but the thing that I will always remember is that thing where they all, you know, get down and then they, you know, do the thing with that, uh, that, that blocking dummy, the tackling dummy or whatever, and they, you know, push it out and do the thing. Darnell Washington was the only dude that just like, he looked like he was barely trying and just moved that thing like 20 yards. He's like, yep, 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 yep there we go. going to push that real quick. Yep. And he just like made it look like it was the easiest thing in the world. So like that dude, absolute tank, big fan.
0: Yeah. If he goes in round one, he's probably going to be third on my tight end list. We'll see where he lands. I certainly hope it's not Pittsburgh because they still need a quarterback, um, but he's inside the top five for everybody at this point. We'll move to number five now. And I am the high man on staff on Sam LaPorta from Iowa. No higher than fifth for anybody else. I've got him at number three right now. Sam LaPorta trailed only Michael Mayer among this group in target share last season. 27.2% target share for Iowa. Third in PFF receiving grade. Tested great speed-wise, athleticism-wise. He's small for the position, which is an issue. And if he goes in round three, it's going to change where I have him ranked. If he goes early in round two, it's going to reinforce where I have him ranked. I think that we're at a point in the NFL's evolution where there are offenses out there that can figure out the size issue and take advantage of the speed and the proven pass catching ability. But there are also teams that don't know how to do that. So again, I'm waiting to see what the draft capital is, but right now I'm excited about Sam Laporta. Jared, what do you think of him? Yeah,
1: he's my tight end five, but like in other Tight end classes, he could be tight end one. Like, I, I definitely don't not like the guy. Um, he's a 90th percentile athlete. He played 30 plus percent of his snaps in the slot in all four of his seasons at Iowa. So, yeah, you know, maybe not Kincaid level, but like, I think the team that drafts Laporta is going to be doing it to take advantage of his pass catching ability and not, you know, using him as a blocker. Now, we will have to see about the draft cap, but like, zero line has Laporta as his ninth tight end in the class. If he gets drafted as, you know, tight end nine, then it's going to be time to, to maybe bump him down the rankings. But there, there is a lot to like about him. He let Iowa in catches each of the last three seasons as a tight end. And now Iowa's kind of tight end you, right? They, they tend to use that position. But, like, Laporta kind of seems next in line for, for these Iowa tight ends that, you know, could definitely make a, a pretty significant impact in the NFL.
0: Herms, are you at on Sam Laporta?
2: I'm not as familiar with him as I am with some of these other players, to be honest. But, I mean, like Jared said, look, if you play tight end at Iowa, something has gone right for you. They do have a knack for finding these guys to play that position. So, you know, I I can't argue with that alone. And if
0: you get onto the field, that says something. And if you're a key part of the offense and, you know, like the numbers we alluded to, 30% reception share last year, 31.9%. Of the receiving yards. So he was doing Michael Mayer stuff at Iowa. So you can't not like that to use a double negative like Jared in, in uh, <laughs> describing Sam Laporta, you know, we'll see where he goes. We'll see if I have to get rid of some of my excitement. Um, before we get to the rest of the position, if you want to see how these top five tight ends are valued in your specific dynasty league, you can hit draft sharks.com right now. You can create a draft sharks war room that is synced to your dynasty league, whether you're at rookie draft stage, whether you're in a startup phase, if you're in a league that's just getting going, it's ready to handle either one. You get specific customized DMVP values for every single player on the draft board in that league and the only dynasty projections in the industry that give you one year, three year, five year, 10 year outlooks for dynasty players. So check it out now, get set for your draft before it's time to pick that team. Guys, we talked about the top five. Now it's time to get to some favorites outside the top five. And I use the word favorite. You don't have to profess love for this guy, but it's at least somebody worth mentioning before we get to rookie draft time. Herms, who is your not top five tight end that you think is worth sharing?
2: I can confirm 100% that Tucker Craft has that dog in him because earlier in the offseason, I sent out a tweet talking about like, wow, this tight end class is super exciting. And I listed off a few names. And uh, somebody replied and said, oh, well, what about Tucker Craft? And then I responded with that meme of, you know, the x-ray of the chest, you know, with the little dog heads and stuff. And it's was like, oh, yep, oh, x-rays came back. Craft got that dog in him. And Tucker Craft himself liked the tweet. So I, yeah. it's confirmed. It's there. We know. We have the answer. Is it a dumb reason to be, you know, super excited about him? kind of, but also like, he's a really good player coming from those small schools. Like, you know, it's a little bit more difficult, but I think on top of my anecdotal story and what you'll find based on the, uh, he's fun. He's fun. Go Tucker craft. I'm rooting for you.
0: Jared Tucker craft swallows dog heads. He came from the school that Dallas Goddard came from. So that automatically puts him in a favorable category with us. You like him?
1: I do. He's my tight end six. Um, I think he's another guy who is going to be drafted to be a pass catcher. I've seen him getting round two buzz, which would be a big win. Even if he goes round three, I think you know that, that'd that be enough for me to you know, likely keep Tucker as my tight end six. Who's your dude for this category? I want to give Zach Koontz a shout out from Old Dominion. Um, and we talk about how athletic this tight end class is. Koontz is the most athletic of them all. He's actually one of four tight ends all time to earn a, a perfect 10.0 relative athletic score. He's 6'7", 255, ran a four five five forty. Um Now, he actually started his college career at Penn State. He was a pretty highly regarded recruit. He was a four-star, um, got offers from Alabama, LSU, Michigan, all the big name programs, went to Penn State, did nothing for, for three seasons at Penn State, which is obviously a, a concern. But was productive in 2021 at Old Dominion. 73 catches, 692 yards, and five touchdowns that season. Tore his ACL in October of this past season, but obviously was healthy enough to work out and absolutely destroy the combine. So I'm not really too concerned about the ACL. So, I mean, the college production isn't what, kind of what we want to see, right? Doing nothing at, at a big-time program and then dominating at a lower level. But just the size-athleticism combination, I think
0: makes Kuhn someone to at least you know keep an eye and see where he lands in the draft next week. And it's better than if he did nothing at a smaller program. Plus, the bonus is he's the only tight end that comes with a not safe for work designation <laughs> on his last name. The last tight end I'm going to mention, and I'm going to make sure to highlight that he's not a favorite of mine, but I think a player worth being aware of as we get into rookie draft time. Josh Wiley from Cincinnati, 6'6". 248 pounds probably needs to add a little bit of weight there for the nfl but 72nd percentile speed in the 40 81st percentile speed score he's faster than clemson's davis allen who is rated in the same range by you know draft and the same size as josh wiley 90th percentile relative athletic score for wiley so He's tall, he's athletic, he can catch passes. From what I've read, he's a solid blocker. Can't say that I'm a blocking film grinder among tight ends, so I can neither confirm nor deny his blocking ability. But if you see Josh Wiley go in the third round of the NFL draft, I think he's a name worth keeping in mind. The final question for these tight ends is not about a specific name, Jared, but how many of them should you actually consider drafting inside a five-round one QB rookie draft. Let's assume for starters that it's not a tight end premium format, just your standard rookie draft. How many of these tight ends are you actually considering drafting? Yeah, I mean, we probably should have led with this, but I think the
1: tight end class is stronger than quarterback, running back, or wide receiver this year. Um, so I, I think you know, the top five guys we ran through ending with Laporta, those guys should definitely be drafted in, in all dynasty leagues. I think Craft. I think Koontz likely if he gets, you know, at least day two draft capital. And I think another guy, Luke Schoenmaker from Michigan, you know, he, he looks pretty good on, on paper as well. Zero Ryan actually has him as his tight end five in the class. He tested as a 97th percentile athlete. So he's another guy where, you know, as long as he gets day two capital, I think he should probably be drafted in most dynasty so That That's eight right there. And then, you know, we'll see if someone like, like Josh Riley sneaks in, into day two, you know, he'd probably be worth a look too. So it's, it's a super exciting class, both
0: at the top and uh, depth wise. Herms, I'm probably not going past the top six at this position. I agree with Jared that it's a terrific class. My issue is at tight end, you generally have to be patient even with the good ones. So now you have to be patient to find out if this guy that you're taking late is even any good. That's just like, that's something that most of us don't have as fantasy players. So I'm a little bit wary of sticking that guy on my roster. Obviously the deeper the roster, the easier it is if you're in FFPC where it is tight end premium and obviously they're more valuable, the rosters are smaller. So again, that's not somewhere I want to hang on to Josh Wiley and see what happens. Herms, where are you at on this class? How many of these guys do you expect to consider in a standard size rookie draft?
2: I'm glad that you mentioned that points about, you know, depending on how deep your roster is and all that, because I think for, you know, dynasty managers like myself who primarily play in leagues that have pretty healthy sized taxi squads, like I'm gonna take as many of these guys as I can. Like in the in those formats, like you just you take those dart throws on the tight ends, you sit them there for a while, you put them in the incubator, and you see what happens later. But like in a world where that you don't have that type of roster flexibility, then I'm probably cutting it off, probably somewhere around like Zach Koontz or something. Just because, I mean, like, and even going that low, like, I'm really just banking on, like, the pedigree of athlete that he is at that point. But even so, that's still, what, like, six, seven names that we're talking about, you know? Drafted rookie tight ends in a rookie draft. Like, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. You know, I think, you know, and also just another thing real quick. As a matter of principle, unless it's tight end premium, I'm not a big fan of taking tight ends in the first round of a rookie draft. I'm not a big fan of spending that type of capital, but once you get into the second there with these types of guys that we're talking about, like just boom, 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 go for it. These guys are thrilling. I agree with you guys.
0: Great class to stash one of these tight ends to wait and see if they develop Uh, and a great class to go ahead and grab a backup. Even if you already have a starter, Jared, what were you going to say? Yeah. I mean, I'm not
1: generally taking round one tight ends in these rookie drafts. And I'm with you guys. Like in most cases, it's, you know, um, four or five tight ends, it might be worth considering in a five-round diet, but it's just different to me this year comparing this tight end class to the running back and wide receiver classes, especially like I'd, I'd rather take a shot on Tucker Kraft than, you know, the, the running back 12 or the wide receiver 15s. I'm just not
0: super excited about, you know, the, the lower level running back and wide receiver prospects this year. And even before we get to that lower level, you're talking about round one of these drafts, Terms like I, I'm willing to take Dalton Kincaid in that range because I think wide receiver and running back flatten out in a hurry after we get past the top prospects. So, you know, we'll see if Kincaid actually does have teams worried with his back or if he does land in the middle of round one, because if he goes in that range, I'm certainly willing to give him a look late in round one of rookie drafts. If you play dynasty and you have not checked out all the free rookie centered content on DraftSharks.com right now, then you are only hurting yourself. If you play best ball and are not learning about these rookies, then you've already missed out on some key draft value in these early tournaments. So it's time to catch up on that front. That's going to do it for this particular show and for our prospect preview series on the podcast. We're now just about a week away from the NFL draft. We are going to be gathering together as a staff in upstate New York. We will be delivering instant analysis on the NFL draft via Shark Bites. We'll all, I'm sure, be busy on Twitter giving our thoughts after these guys get drafted. We'll be adjusting projections behind the scenes. We will be feeding all of your fantasy needs and, of course, diving headfirst into everything. For 2023 drafting from that point on. For Jared and Herms and the rest of the Draft Sharks crew, I'm Matt Schaff saying thanks so much for swimming with us.